0: Log Talk Radio Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself, running your first marathon, or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight, because this is a show you just don't want to miss. Today's episode is self-help tips to improve your running form. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Richard Diaz. I've elected to take on this topic solo, which incidentally is tough for both of us. I have to try to be entertaining, and you have to try to be patient with me. If you're tuning into our show for the very first time, let me share that beyond my preoccupation as a struggling podcast host, my life for the past two decades has been spent working with athletes. I provide clinical analysis of both resting and active metabolism for my clients, which serves to determine effective training intensities to improve both aerobic and anaerobic resistance to fatigue, and for the past eight years, have dedicated the bulk of my work to performing video running gait analysis and helping my clients run more efficiently and ultimately to run at a faster, sustainable pace. So I think what the easiest thing to do here is to basically laundry list a bunch of do's and don'ts in respect to what you're trying to accomplish as you become a better runner. If you're one of those people that have been listening to my show for quite some time now, some of this may seem a bit redundant, but it's always good information, and I think it's really a good idea to have this in your mind a lot. It's going to make a big, big, big difference for you if you start to hone in and focus on some of the things we're going to talk about. All right, so if you're a beginner, work on proper running mechanics before trying to log progressive mileage or intensity. So what I'm saying to you is that if you're new to running, meaning that you're not comfortable getting out beyond a few miles, The first thing you should realize is the reason why you're having such a hard time even getting out and running those few miles is because your approach is probably very corrupt. And the focus should be, as a beginner, to work on the way to run opposed to concerning yourself with how much time you spend running, volume, intensity. That's for later days. We've got to work on your running mechanics first. And before you advanced or intermediate or experienced runners decide to click off this episode, let me just suggest that odds are the way you're approaching your running could use a little work too. So don't get high and mighty, check your ego at the door, and let's tune in and deal with some of the things that are possibly causing you to having overuse injuries and keeping you from performing better. And while I'm focusing on you advanced or experienced runners, let me ask you a question. How many miles in a week do you need to run before you run into problems? Something breaks down. You're either experiencing shin splints, you're having plantar fasciitis issues, maybe some knee pain, maybe something up in your hip. But there's this break point, and I know you're familiar with what it is. Everybody's a little different. It comes down to a function of your strength to weight ratio. It could very well be that you get up to 60, 70 miles a week and you have no problems. But most of the athletes I meet, typically somewhere around 50 miles a week, if they're an experienced runner, is right about the point where things start to go south for them. We all have a break point. And it generally comes down to how strong we are relative to our mass, how heavy we are how much mass we have to push down the road, and at what intensity we're pushing it down the road. The more effectively you're able to run, the less potential there is for this breakpoint to come up earlier than later. Some coaches and therapists may argue that this is a great time to talk about developing strength, and I would agree with that. However, you have a better chance staving off the potential for injury by running with good form than trying to fortify the ship so that it becomes impervious to the mistakes that you're going to make. Strength will have its place. I do agree that it's a good idea to develop a strong foundation and develop very good core stability and functional strength up the kinetic chain. But the first thing we need to focus on is running with good form. I know that at this point, there's already some people out there that are going to have some argument with what I'm suggesting is the hierarchy or pecking order for what we need to concern ourselves with. Some might suggest that becoming very, very strong is the preeminent concern. But I'm telling you, if you move badly, you're going to run into problems. You can only build so much strength when you're throwing your body weight four to five times your body weight onto an unstable and precarious platform as you're running. And what I'm suggesting is probably the first thing and most important thing we need to address is whether or not you're overstriding. And for the sake of those that are not familiar with the term overstriding, essentially what that means, you're pitching your leg ahead of your center of mass, making ground contact, either on your heel or your toe, ahead of the rest of your body. This is not only the most corrupt thing you can do in your running, it's probably the most common mistake people make. Intuitively we think if we reach ahead of ourselves, paw the ground, we can pull ourselves past our contact point and essentially claw our way to a quicker finish time. As a matter of fact, that's a pretty common thing to hear a high school running coach tell their runners to reach out, take longer strides, and in the course of doing that, they're basically slowing themselves down, working harder, and they're at ends with gravity. And here lies the problems. When you extend your leg well ahead of your body and finally make contact with the ground, the time it takes for your body to actually catch up where your foot had made contact puts you on the ground longer and at ends with gravity for a greater length of time. And the further you reach out, at the greater intensity you pitch yourself, the heavier you're gonna hit the ground. And because you are in a very unstable position when you make contact with your leg hitting the ground ahead of your center of mass, you're landing on a very, very precarious platform. It's gonna put you in a bad place. It's gonna set you up for all sorts of injuries. And then again, I I keep saying this, I'm gonna have to say it one more time, it becomes a function of how strong you are. If you're strong enough, you can put up with just about anything. But for everyone, there comes a time where the strength is just not enough. It comes down to how heavy you are and how much force you're putting into the ground. And I can tell you that Unless you're capable of picking up three to four times your body weight on one leg, you're going to lose that fight. By pitching your leg out onto the ground ahead of your center of mass, making a collision with the ground with three to four times your body weight on a precarious angle like that, you're at a very big disadvantage in respect to the war against gravity relative to your strength. The next no-no is heel striking. Now, there's a lot of people out there that have been drinking the Kool-Aid and they've been reading a lot and they've been working on trying to migrate away from landing on their heel first and getting into a more stable mid-foot style of running. But I would suggest that before you assume that you're getting it done properly, that you take the time to have a friend shoot a little video of you while you're running to make sure that A, you're not overstriding, and B, you're in fact landing as you thought you were. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out whether you're doing something wrong. You might require some help from someone that has got a trained eye and is well versed in proper running mechanics. In the meantime, hopefully, with the information I'm going to provide you today, you're going to be well on your way to making some of the corrections that are necessary and get you off the pain wagon and back into the winner's circle. Anyone that's a student of running mechanics knows that in order to run faster, it's a function of stride length relative to stride frequency. Turning your leg over quicker, covering more distance with each step is going to yield a much quicker pace. There was an interesting study conducted at the University of Wisconsin that revealed a typical runner who overstrides, will run at a cadence or stride frequency of 160 steps per minute. They found by increasing the cadence by 5%, there was a full 20% reduction in stress that occurred at the ankle, knee, and hip. They further found that by increasing the cadence by 10%, there was a full 32% reduction in impact forces at the ankle, knee, and hip. And what that works out to is very near what is referred to as the holy grail of running cadence, 180 strides per minute. Now, friends, I'm not going to lie to you. When you attempt to increase your cadence to 180 strides per minute when you were, in fact, running at around 160 it's going to feel very, very laborious. It's going to feel very expensive to run at that frequency. What you're going to need to do is download a metronome app for your phone. I'm assuming that you have a smartphone. You can get one on an Android or you can get one on your iPhone. But whatever phone you use, make sure you download a metronome because you need to hear an audible tone, that you can entrain your cadence to. It's going to be far different than looking down at your watch and seeing whether in fact you're at the cadence you hope for. You want to entrain yourself to the tone much like you are learning to play the piano. Aside from the amount of stress that you feel like you're taking on to increase your cadence, a few wonderful things are going to happen. Regardless of whether you're landing heel or midfoot first, you're going to find that your contact point is gonna come much closer to your center of mass. The other benefit of it is you're going to create what is termed bilateral equivalence. Both feet are gonna be doing an equal share of work, and that's very important because most people tend to lead out with one leg versus the other. When one leg is doing 70% of the work and the other doing 30, this is where injuries result. One leg is overworking, one leg is underworking, and you're totally out of kilter. Now, I realize that it's going to be really hard to actually teach you how to run properly through this audio broadcast. Even if I was to show you some video, it's still going to be difficult to translate into your actual movement patterns. Now, I would suggest that if you're looking for help, I am available for this type of work. You can contact me via my website DiazHumanPerformance.com, D-I-A-Z-HumanPerformance.com, and we can discuss options. Um, but if, in the absence of having some professional help, I would suggest that you get together with a friend or even a local coach that has some sense of, of this work and have them work with you to improve the way you're trying to make contact with the ground. The goal is this. We want to get more near our center of mass, We'd like to make contact with our midfoot as opposed to our heel first, and we want to increase our cadence to around 180 strides per minute. You're gonna find that this is gonna reduce the amount of vertical oscillation, which is your bounce. The bounce is representative of the impact force that you're gonna be putting into the ground. It's also a wasted amount of energy going up and down versus point to point. And all of this stuff is going to make a big difference. You're going to start reducing the amount of stress you're experiencing, and you're going to stop wasting the amount of work you're doing by bouncing up and down. I've talked a lot about how you're going to make contact with the ground. We're going to depart from that for a moment, and we're going to talk about your arm swing. Very few people realize the importance of a good arm swing. An arm swing does not mean rotating your shoulders. If you find that when you're running, your arm crosses your body, if you're holding your arms static, if you're kind of swirling your arms in space, all of this movement pattern is extremely disruptive and highly influential of what's happening with your feet as you make contact with the ground. Square your shoulders up with your hips and then oscillate your elbow forward and back. The term we like to use is hips to nips. You want to bring your hand back to your hip and no higher than your nip as you rock your arm forward and back in time with your cadence. If you really wanna know how influential your arm swing is over your running, double time your arm swing and see whether your feet chase your arms. Fact of the matter is, your arms actually are a great tool for developing a real solid pace when you're trying to get to speed and you're starting to get fatigued. You wanna relax those shoulders, let them drop, and just let those arms swing forward and back in a nice arc and keep them in time with your legs. Drop your chin. A lot of people don't realize how important it is that you keep your posture aligned properly. If you tip your head back, you will overstride. I've heard it said many times, and I think I agree, that running should be nothing more than a controlled fall. If you lean into your run from the heels, not from the hips, You're going to engage the ground to keep from falling. And if you lead with your knee and set your foot down beneath your knee, you'll be posted directly over your foot. And that is essentially all you need to do. So you want to keep a nice forward lean. You want to keep your spine in alignment. Keep your chin tucked down so that your spine is square. Drop your shoulders. Swing your elbows, not your shoulders. Lead with your knees, land on your midfoot, try to keep on around 180 strides per minute, and don't worry about what your pace looks like for a while. You're going to see that with time you're going to adapt to the stride frequency and you're going to adapt to the contact point that's new. If it doesn't feel different, it probably isn't different. You're probably doing a little the same that you were doing before. It should feel really odd to you at first. It should feel really expensive to you at first because it is so different than what you're accustomed to. But you've got to give it time. I find that typically it takes about two weeks to make a fairly significant difference in the way people move. I've heard it said that it takes about 6,000 correct repetitions to make a new habit. That's not nearly as long as you might think. You're looking at a couple good miles of running and you got it licked. I think it's only fair now that we circle back to the topic of strength training. Most everyone that's listening to this is probably participating in some fashion of strength training. I'm just going to keep this really simple. What I suggest is that you follow a functional path. Think in terms of what you're trying to accomplish as you run and develop exercises that are going to benefit you as a runner. Now, realizing a lot of you may participate in sports like obstacle racing in where there's a lot of exercises that you're already involved in, but when I'm thinking in terms of exercises that are beneficial to running, the exercises to come to mind are exercises that cause you to develop strength on one pillar at a time. In essence, what I'm saying is that you want to do one-legged exercises, you want to do posting exercises that cause you to develop stability. And I recommend that most of the exercises you do in this setting, you try to do in either a minimal shoe or barefoot. You want to get as much feedback from the ground as you possibly can. All through this little talk, I've alluded to the importance of economy, the importance of efficiency, and I haven't touched at all on heart rate. If you've been listening to my show, you know that I'm a strong advocate of heart rate training. And I think it's a critical application for determining how much energy it costs you to do what it is you're doing and whether in fact that energy is coming from fat or whether it's coming from sugar. It also serves as an excellent way to determine your progress over time. I've always been an information advocate. The more information you can get from your body, the more information you can gather from the way you're moving through space, the more effective you're going to be with your training. There are so many variables that have potential of influencing your performance. There's no way that I'm going to be able to cover it all in this podcast today. And as I said at the opening of this show, it's going to be really tough to listen to me rant on and on and on for too great a length of time. So we're going to cut this short. But I am going to be curious to know whether this type of conversation is interesting to you whether you enjoy having a chance to just listen to me talk about things that are going to affect your performance, maybe even bring you onto the show and talk to you about the things that affect your performance personally. What we hope to do is provide you with information that you need to hear, things that you want to hear, and things that are going to influence your performances and and better your lives. So please reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook, easy to find, Diaz Human Performance. You can find me at The Natural Running Network, message me. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what you'd like to hear. Let's see if we can satisfy your needs. Before I shut this down, I want to mention that we are going to celebrate Black Friday once again. If you've never tuned into our Black Friday show, we give away all sorts of really good stuff. I have Rock Tape involved and a few other people that I'm talking to. We're going to give away some great stuff, and I'm hoping to have somebody on with me that's going to help me give this stuff away. I'm not doing this alone. Thanks a lot for listening, folks. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.